Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Acts chapter 27. Stephen would like to share with you that which has been impressed upon my spirit. And I'd like to entitle our message this evening, Personal Direction and Guidance. Personal Direction and Guidance. Thank you, dear Father. Father, your word is forever settled in heaven. We establish it upon the earth in our hearts. As we thank you for this privilege of studying your word, your spirit, we believe, will guide us, direct us, teach us, instruct us, cause us to become living epistles of the living Christ, known and read of all men. Your word alive in us. We bless you for it. I thank you for receptive hearts, attentive ears, and open minds as we channel ourselves now to receive from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Acts 27, verse 10. And said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I... Believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. When I was growing up in life, I remember just about the time I was graduating high school, I remember that I was fearful. I wasn't saved, I didn't know God, but I was fearful. I was fearful because I didn't know what was ahead of me in life. I didn't know which way to go. I didn't know if I should go to college. I didn't know if I should just work, get a job. I didn't know anything as far as being career-minded. I didn't have any direction in life. I didn't know who I'd marry. You know, when you're a 19-year-old, 18-year-old, 20-year-old, it's a very difficult time in life. And I don't know about you as parents, maybe some of you can't relate to this, but I know I can. Because that was a period of time in my life that it was very difficult for me. I really didn't know what I wanted to do in life. I was 17 when I graduated high school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I ended up going to college, not knowing what I wanted to take up. I finally came to the conclusion after two years I was taking up space. You know. Well, who are you going to marry? Well, at that particular time in my life, I was deeply hurt. I spent four years of my life going with an individual person for the previous four years thinking that that would be the person that I'd marry. Well, it just so happened that wasn't the case. She had other plans, other ideas. So when you're out there, you don't know what you're going to do, you don't know where you're going to go, it's dark. It's dark. You're lonely. You're hurt. You need direction. You need guidance. 
Well, see, I didn't, I didn't know God. I didn't know the Lord. I didn't have any guidance. I didn't have any direction. So I just began to sail along, which is why I ended up in college. Didn't know what I was going to take up. Didn't know what I was going to do. Just taking off, sailing along in life, just like they did over here, just like Paul said. They got on this boat, started to sail off. But see, he had instruction there, but they didn't take heed. So I began to sail on in life. I began to sail along. But not knowing where to go, not knowing what to do, not having any guidance, slowly it's dark. Maybe some of you weren't there. Maybe some of you didn't have that same experience that I did. But I think it's important as parents we realize this and understand it because, you know, we, especially if you have teenagers out there, and they get to that place in life that they don't know what they're going to do with their life. I mean, it's a scary thing. It's a scary feeling. I remember sitting in the classroom over there in my, mecha- you know, mechanical drawing class. I'd sit there by the window, and I'd look out there, and I'd watch all them cars go back and forth. And I said, yeah, you think you got it made out there. But one day soon, I'm going to get out of this school building, and I'm going to be out there driving a car just like you. And you think that's the greatest thing in life, somewhere to go, something to do. What are they doing driving back and forth? Where do they go? Where do they work? You know. When you're a teenager, you, you think about some of these things. You, you kind of wonder, but you think it's better out there because you're in prison in here. Well, I'll tell you what, when I got out there and found out what it was like out there, I said, boy, it'd be nice to get back in that building for a while. <laughs> know what I'm talking about? See, it's, it's harder out there than what people think, especially when you're a teenager growing up, especially if you don't have any direction in life. But then again, once you get a little bit older, you forget about those days. You get married, you have your children, you have a job, you're, you're providing her, etc. And maybe you had a little bit better, you know, guidance or instruction or direction in your particular life. But see, many haven't had that. And so consequently, they end up like these people did, shipwrecked. They end up having much loss, much damage, much hurt along the way. Well, see, that's what I did. I just began to take off and sail along, you know, along the path of life and I didn't have any guidance I didn't have any direction I didn't have any instruction I didn't know which way I would go it was dark out there but then you see I became born again now there's some things that happened in between that that I'd like to share with you even while I was in darkness it seemed like I something something made me cry out unto the Lord I don't even know where this came from I'm sure it came from God it had to come from God I just don't know where else it could come from I know that God's out there Drawing us by His Spirit. Isn't that right? Even if you're a sinner, isn't He drawing you by His Spirit? Sure. I remember saying as I was walking on the street in my second year of college, I remember saying I saw my wife across the street. She's my wife now. She wasn't my wife then. And I saw her walking down the street over there. See, I was deeply hurt in this area of life. Don't ask me what made me do it, but I just did it. I just cried out. I looked up to heaven just like that. You You mean I'm a sinner? You mean God hears you? Well... I'm a sinner. I know I cried out unto the Lord. I said, now, Lord, why can't she be my wife? I said, and then I made a vow unto the Lord. Now, imagine this. I'm a sinner making a vow unto the Lord. I said, if you let her be my wife, you find me a woman that will be faithful to me all the days of my life. And I was a sinner. Boy, I think I had more sense than even some that even after they get saved become Christians. I said, if you'll find me a wife that will be faithful to me all the days of my life. I'll be satisfied with one woman. I'll never be unfaithful unto her. And I'll I'll live and and fulfill the days of my life as a faithful husband all the days of my life. That's what I said unto the Lord. Well, the next time, you know, I'm walking through Sears in the Southern Park Mall in Mormon, Ohio. And I'm walking through the store over there. And I, I just happen to just look up. And there's that same woman, that same young lady. Going up the escalator. And I looked and I said, Now, Lord, why couldn't she be my wife? Same thing again. Said the same thing again. And then, see, I used to take a lunch break when i come home from college and then I'd go to work down in Struthers, Ohio, where I used to teach guitar. And there was this little store. I'm sure you've heard of the Isley's chain. And uh, it was an Isley's there. And that was always our stop, my stop. I stopped there for lunch, you know, get a sandwich and then go on down to work. And uh, we're all, it's just very small, just a real small store. And so, usually, as, as I did, I just, you know, go by one day, I just stopped over into that store. 
And, of course, the girl that works there is a little back room over there, and just one person works there. When all of a sudden, the same girl walks out of that back room. And I sat down and I looked. See, I said it twice before, and I'm thinking to myself, now, Lord, why couldn't she be my wife? Now, why couldn't she? I'm a sinner, boy. I don't even know God. I'm saying, now, why couldn't she be my wife? I, I, I didn't know where it was coming from. I, I didn't even know why I was talking like that, because I didn't, didn't talk like that. But I said, now, why couldn't she be my wife? See? Well, bless the Lord, she's my wife. Thanks be unto God. But you see, sometimes I think we try to get ahead of God or just get out there and start to sail along in life. I had enough common sense as a sinner boy. I had enough, enough common sense, you know, just someone didn't know God. So start talking to God about marriage. So I talked to him. I believe he set the whole thing up. Now, you can say God don't hear sinners, but I'll tell you something right now. If God don't hear sinners, you ain't saved. For whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be... Well, you was a sinner when you called, weren't you? Amen. So, you see, I believe he'll show signs. An angel of the Lord appeared to Cornelius. He was a sinner. Wasn't saved. And you know what he said? Thy prayers have come up to heaven for a memorial. As a memorial for thee. Didn't he say that? His prayers were in heaven. Not even saved. Think about that. I believe the right kind of prayers will make it. See, I was, I was truly seeking direction and personal guidance for my life. Well, once I received Jesus into my heart and became my Lord and Savior, see, my life had more meaning. My life had more purpose. I began to ha have a better understanding of life. But I noticed around me that there were truly born-again Christians or truly born-again children of God that had the same problem that I did when I was growing up. They didn't know how to receive guidance or direction from the Lord. They didn't know what to do with their life. They didn't know how to be led by the Spirit of God or how to receive personal instruction and guidance so they could be in the will of God for their life, so that God could, you know, lay out their life before them and so that they can avoid the shipwreck. They can avoid the loss. They can avoid the hurt. They can avoid the damage along the way. They didn't know that. I couldn't understand it. I says, I don't understand why. Every born-again child of God has a travel guide. Jesus said, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, teach you all things, and show you things to come, speak to you whatever he hears of the Father. See, he is the travel guide. He is to guide us along life's path. He is to direct our step. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of who? Of the Lord. And we, we need never be in the dark. We need never be without direction, without guidance from the Lord when it comes to decisions we need to make in our personal life. We need never be without direction. We need never be without guidance. Jesus said, He that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Well, you see... The psalmist said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, it's a light unto my path. And what was he talking about? Well, back in them days, they put candles on their shoes, on their sandals. And whenever they took a step, there was a candle light that, that shed enough light so that he can take that step. And then he had to take another step. When he took another step, there was another candle light that shed that light so that they can see the next step. They couldn't see two steps in front of them. See, there might be a hole there. They might fall in it, twist their ankle, whatever, get hurt. But you see, back then, they didn't have street lights. But he said, Thy word is a lamp to my feet, and it's a light unto my path. So that I need not walk in darkness. I need not be lonely in life. I need not be without direction and guidance. I can allow you to guide me by your word, by your spirit, so that when I take my steps in life, those steps will be ordered of thee, and I walk in the light that you have prepared for me, for my life. See, I can't get directions for your life unless it's a supernatural manifestation of God. It's each child of God has the right to receive guidance and personal direction for their own individual life to do the will of the Lord for their life. Well, I found out that many were like these people that followed Paul. Let's go back to that verse 10. Many made wrong decisions. Now, this is so important. I want you to please take heed to what is being said. 
Paul said in verse 10, before they ever set out to sea, to sail. And he said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Stop there. Paul had spiritual perception. Paul had a witness. He didn't say an angel of the Lord stood by me and told me this. He didn't say I had a word of prophecy. He did not say that God appeared unto me in a vision. He did not say I had a dream of the Lord. He says, I perceive. I perceive. I sense within my spirit. I perceive inside my own spirit that this voyage will be with much hurt, loss, and damage. Well, let's look at that verse 21 again. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete to have gained this harm and what? See? They gained harm. They gained loss. In the Amplified, it says they gained damage and hurt. Now, let's stop there for a moment. Paul had a witness of his spirit that said, don't go out there. Don't do it. But they wouldn't hearken unto him. They hearkened unto human reasoning, what everybody else said. They said, it's okay. The, the weather's all, no, it's going to be that bad. Let's just go ahead and go. I just feel it's okay to go. Believers. I've had believers come to me and say, you know, when I was about to get married, something inside me said, don't marry him or her. When I was about to take that step of getting married, something inside me said, don't, don't do it. Then they neglected that something. And they turned over unto the Lord and they said unto the Lord, Lord, well, if you don't want me to marry this person, you close the door. Or send an angel unto me and tell me. Or you work it out so that we don't get married for certain reasons. And of course, none of those things ever happen. So, since none of those things ever happen, they go ahead and get married. She or he, whoever the, whatever the case is. And they begin to sail along in married life. When all of a sudden a storm arises. And then calamity comes. Hurt comes. Damage comes. Problems arise. And they find themselves out there in the middle of the sea on a boat, in a boat that's being tossed to and fro and being tore apart. And then they want help from the Lord. And as I can hear the voice of God saying, Son, you should have hearkened unto me and avoided this loss, hurt, harm, and damage. And if you would have hearkened unto me in the beginning, you would have never set sail with that person. Now, here you are. Just look at the next verse now, verse 22. Now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Now let's stop right there. In the beginning he perceived they would also lose their lives if they went out there. And in reality, they would have. But because Paul was a prisoner, he had no say-so in the matter. The Lord sent an angel to appear unto him and tell him that their lives would be spared. Now, that marital relationship, see, the, the ship, though, would be destroyed. And it's the same thing in that marital relationship. Although he may be able to spare the person's life, 
spare the child of God's light, it may be impossible for him to salvage the ship, the marriage. I want you to listen to me carefully. Because that person was a non-believer that you married. Or that person wasn't ready to serve God that you married. And that person has a will of his own or her own. And God knew, which is why he witnessed to your spirit, don't do it. But now that you have all these problems and now that you have all this happening, I can salvage your life. But as the ship is lost, it may be very difficult to salvage your relationship. I'm not saying that's impossible for God. But in some cases, it's very difficult for Him. Because you see, if that person's not committed, marriage doesn't make a person committed. If that person's not saved, getting married is not a guarantee you'll get that person saved. And so when it comes to this point in life, He's concerned about you, yes. But we could have avoided the, the suffering, the loss, the damage, the hurt, the injury. You see, what happens when divorce comes? I've been around too much of it. I see too many believers that have been divorced and see too much harm and hurt. You can't tell me that hurt, harm, damage, and loss doesn't come when, when divorce comes. But you see, beloved, that could have been avoided in many instances, in many cases, if the believer was taught how, how to listen to direction and guidance from the Lord in advance. And too often times, that next verse gives us the idea here, a problem. Here's what they want. Look at this next verse. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. And, and I can hear him say, well, Lord, you should have sent an angel unto me. No, wait a minute. Paul would have never seen that angel. See, people think that's the most dramatic way. That's the most spectacular way someone God, God could lead somebody, you know, in life. Sending an angel. No. On the contrary. No, the primary way was when he gave witness to his spirit. Because you see, beloved, if they would have hearkened unto him, they wouldn't have been on the ship and they wouldn't have need of an angel. Oh, if I could get this over, I'd tell you to bless your heart. Oh, I'd bless your heart. I may need to bless your heart. See, too many God's children, they're looking for the spectacular leading of God and they're missing out on the supernatural all along. They're looking for an angel appear. They're looking for a vision or a dream. Or they're looking or sending out a fleece. Oh, dear Lord, don't send out fleeces. Don't put out a fleece. Never do it. It's not the way you get guidance from the Lord. And you see, because they're doing that, looking for the spectacular. Well, Lord, you should have closed the door if you didn't want me to get married. He said, I spoke to your heart and said, no, what more do I need to say? You, you sensed in your spirit that you shouldn't have done it, but you did it anyway. Isn't that right? Now, why did, he, why did he have to send an angel? You see? That's not the norm. That's not the primary way God leads his children. I believe if, if we were taught the primary way God leads his children, see, then we can avoid this. That's how we can avoid the shipwreck. That's how we can avoid the loss, the harm, the damage, and the injury that comes to Christian lives. That's how we can avoid the tragedies that come to Christians' lives. See? If we'll teach them how to be sensitive to the primary leading of God's Spirit. Now, true, their lives were spared. But what happened to the ship? It was lost. What happened to the supplies? They were lost. Sure, this woman is now saved. Maybe her husband left her or maybe the wife left, whichever way it is. But although her life is spared, maybe he was beating her and almost killing her. And finally he just took off and went. Well, maybe her life is spared, but she has a child. She has no husband. She, the two became one. You split one, you get half. You tear apart a relationship, you get half. Think about it. Now she has to provide for herself. He's in another state. He's not even sending any, any payment, any money, any support. Now, her life is spared. But there's much hurt that goes along the way. I'm not saying we can't take that person where they're at and start to work with them and to help them to once again, you know, be a whole person. 
and to be successful and, and have victory. But my brother and my sister, listen. How can you repair the damage that was done? What has been lost has been lost. What has been damaged has been damaged. You know, I dread the thought of entering into eternity being apart from my immediate family. I'd rather thought of that. I, I, I won't accept that kind of thinking. See, my children are my children. Your children are your children. My wife is my wife. Oh, I just praise God for her life. Do you see what I'm talking about? These are holy things, beloved. These are holy things of God. Nothing to be tampered with. That's why the Lord said, marriage is honorable. That's why the Lord said, I hate divorce. Do you see what I'm saying? We're just touching these areas to show that these things could have been avoided in life. Now, I had people call me. I had relatives that were so concerned about me. I mean, you think about this. They said, oh, you ought not marry her. You'll be divorced in one year. I said, is that so? Now, I wasn't a believer. Now, you have to mind this. I wasn't a believer. But do you know what's something? I says, look, I don't know why I know. I don't know why I know. But all I know is that I know that I know that I'm supposed to marry that girl. That's what I said. And I know she'd be my wife. I know that. And I'm not afraid of, of being divorced. It won't happen. Oh, I mean, they're just concerned people. You know, that's the kind of concern that you don't need sometimes. Isn't that right? And see, if I'd accepted their direction, if I'd accepted their guidance, if I'd listened to what they were saying and let them dominate me, dominate my thinking, I may have stepped into a wrong direction. But you know what? Sure as I stand here, the couple that told me that are now divorced and have been. Lives split up. Children without a dad. Gone in different directions. See what I'm saying? You can't listen to what people say. And since I'm, I'm in that area, I'll go a step further. You, you can't get guidance from me. Did you know that? As many as are led by Pastor Bill, they are the sons of God. I get people come, they, you know, what am I supposed to do? I'm not the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I can help you. I can open up the Word to you. But the Bible says in Romans 8, 14, it's a good time to turn to it. Let's turn to it. Romans 8, 14. See, the Bible says in Romans 8, 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. See, direction comes from God to each child by the Spirit of God. Under the Old Covenant, the prophet, the priest, and the king were the only ones that had the Spirit of God. And so under the Old Covenant, whenever the children of Israel needed direction for their life, they had to go to the prophet, to the priest, or to the king. What shall we do now? And the king would seek the Lord. The Spirit of God would fall upon a prophet. And the prophet would prophesy and speak and say, let's give you an example. In Jehoshaphat, the power of God came upon a prophet. He began to prophesy and to speak for the direction. And direction came and said, send forth the singers and get them out there and, and let them sing. And Israel and Judah were delivered. See, they had to seek unto the Lord, seek the Lord, and through the prophet or through the priest or through the king, they got guidance, they got direction as to what they should do. But in the new covenant, the Spirit of God is living inside each born-again, Spirit-filled child of God. And the Spirit, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. We don't need to go to the prophet, priest, or the king. You don't need to go to the pastor for guidance or for direction, although he can help. See, in school we had guidance counselors. And they would counsel you according unto your abilities after they evaluated you in, in your life and the potential that you had, the talents that you have. And they'd say, you'd be better off in this field. And they would give you some, you know, counsel to help guide you along life's path. Well, you could listen to it or not listen to it. But basically, they try to help you out in life. Well, now you can come to me or you can come to, you really go to any spirit-filled Christian and you'll find out that if, if they understand God's Word and, and, and have a good understanding of God's Word, they can help you to see what God's Word said. But for you to be led or to be directed, you need the witness of the Spirit. You need guidance. Because what I did in a certain instance doesn't mean that's what He's leading you to do. 
That doesn't mean that's what he's guiding you to do. See, our walk is individual. And as an individual, he sees my potential. He knows my abilities. He knows my frame. He knows my heart. He knows what I should do. He knows what I can believe for. He knows what I cannot believe for. He knows me, and so he tells me what to do. And so I do it. See, and I just do what he tells me to do. But now, see, I can't say to you, well, now, here's what I did. You know, I, I have the same instance that maybe you had in life, or same circumstance, and here's what I did. Now, I, I guarantee you, sir, as I stand here right now, I guarantee you, you can't just walk out of this church today and say, Lord, why can't she be my wife? Because she's mine. That's why. I'll answer for him. So you can't copy somebody else. People have done that. Now, when he spoke to my heart and said, by a witness, let, 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 let me show you something. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, God is a spirit, and the primary way God leads his children is by the, you write this down, by the witness of the Spirit. His Spirit witnessing to your spirit, his Spirit witnessing to your spirit, not a voice, not an angel, not a prophecy, not a dream, not a revelation, but his primary way of leading his children along life's path, showing them what they should do in their own personal life to instruct them along the way. The primary way is the witness of his spirit in your spirit. Look at verse 16. He'll explain it. The spirit itself or himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, if I were to tell you, if you ask me, uh, are you a child of God? I say, yes, I'm a child of God. And then you say, how do you know you're a child of God? Well, I had a dream. You did? Yes. Well, first thing you'd say, well, a dream don't make you a child of God. Oh, it don't? No. Well, I, I saw an angel. Well, an angel doesn't make you a child of God. Well, somebody, I was at a meeting last week. And I was standing right there by the altar. And this great person of God walked unto me and prophesied and said, Thou art a child of God. Well, you say to that person, somebody prophesying over you don't make you a child of God. How do you know you're a child of God? Well, my only answer is this. The Spirit witnesses to my spirit that I'm a child of God. What's the most important thing in life is to know you're a child of God, isn't it? Well, how does, how does he let us know that we're a child of God? He witnesses to us. Well, if the witness of the Spirit is the way he lets us know we are his children, doesn't common sense tell us that the witness of our Spirit is his primary way to lead us and direct us along life's path? Not putting out fleeces, not looking for visions and dreams, See, putting out a fleece, visions and dreams, you know what we're looking for? We're looking for a way out of fasting and praying. We're looking for a way out of being still and knowing that He is God and waiting for Him to witness to our spirit which way we should go. Actually, we're, we're guilty of being lazy. That's true. Hold now, Father, if you want me to do this, open up that door. Well, what if I came walking out that door? And open it up. What if the devil sent an emissary to, to go open up, that door, open up that door? See, when you, God is a spirit. And if, if we start asking things to happen in the physical or in the natural realm, and uh, the realm where Satan is king, Satan is God, well, what if the devil sends somebody to open up that door? What if the devil sends somebody to shut that door? See, we can't go by, open that door, shut that door, that's the way you want me to go. I've never been like that. I've never gone that way. No, I've always listened to my spirit. Always listened to the hidden man of the heart. Paul called him the hidden man of the heart. I'm sorry, Peter did. Peter called him the hidden man of the heart. Paul called him the inward man. The man on the inside. That's the real you. The spirit. His spirit witnesses to my spirit. In other words, his spirit, and I don't want to say speaks. I don't want to say there's a voice. I don't want to say... You know, you can hear anything. All I want to say, it's something that you know apart from voice. 
You ever driving down the streets, you know, and, and, and you just knew you should have gone over so-and-so's house? Or you just knew you should have called somebody? And you didn't hear any voice say, call so-and-so. You just had an intuition, a perception inside your spirit that was witnessing to you that you should call somebody. And then it illuminated or illumined your mind, and then you had the thought, yeah, I think I should call somebody. Well, then you didn't do it. You talked yourself out of it and said, well, no, it must have just been me, just, just, thinking, just thinking out loud. Well, then all of a sudden, so-and-so calls you and says, you know, brother, I really need to talk to you. And you say, well, well isn't that something? Isn't that a coincidence? Isn't, I was just driving down the street. And, you know, I just sensed inside me that I, was, I should have called you. Every time we ignore that witness, our spirit becomes more insensitive to the witness of God's Spirit. Every time we act on that witness, our spirit becomes more sensitive to the witness of the Spirit. See, we should have done it. See, the primary way... So many have missed out on the supernatural leading of God's Spirit because they were looking for the spectacular. Now, if an angel would have dropped down on the hood of my car and said, Call so-and-so. You'd have said, Yay, Lord. <laughs> you know. And you'd have rendered the first phone. You know. Right? As fast as you can. Well, now, what's, what's the difference? You've been waiting for that angel. And the Lord's been going, will you wake up? Will you wake up? I've been talking to you for the last four weeks. Finally, I had to send an angel to say, hey, call somebody. But you see, God was witnessing that to our spirit for the last four weeks probably. We just didn't do it. But then when that angel came down and said, you just jumped and hopped and ran, and you thought that was God's way of leading. No, that's not God's way of leading. You know, I saw my, my wife and I both saw our angels one time. I had a dream one time. I've been led by a dream once in my life in ministry. I had what are, what are called many visions twice, and I was led that way. But primarily, apart from those few times, every leading that I've ever had has been inside my spirit by the witness of the Spirit. And the witness of the Spirit was always right on the money. Always right in what I had to do. My going to Rhema Bible Training Center to go to school there, I had the witness of my spirit. It doesn't happen like that. See, God is not... He, we don't have to make haste. When God witnesses to your spirit to do something, you know what I do most of the time? I just wait upon it because I say, well, now, Lord, if you're really witnessing to my spirit, it'll grow stronger. I mean, I know that. And then if I, it just seems to slip me and just go away, I say, well, now, Lord, the Bible says, power of the spirits, whether they be of God, and I don't believe that was of you because if it was of you, you don't pressure me to do it today and then tomorrow, you know, ignore me. This will bless you along these lines. The devil will always pressure you to do something now. And he'll put the pressure on you to get it done right now. Do it right now. Go ahead. You better go out there and do that. Or you, you better go to that meeting. Or you better do this. Or you better do that. And he'll put the pressure on you to get you to do something. And you think you have to do it. If you ever make a decision under great amounts of pressure, you made a wrong decision. Because you see, that's the devil putting pressure on you to make you do wrong. But if it's of God, if it's the Spirit of God leading you, witnessing to your spirit, then... It will slowly but surely increase inside you. And every now and then it will rise up and illuminate your mind. And it will keep coming up and coming up and getting stronger and getting stronger and getting stronger. I was down at, in Atlanta, Georgia. And I went to the first Kenneth Hagin meeting I was ever at. And, and something witnessed inside my spirit as he was talking about Raymond Bible Training Center. And I never saw this man before. I didn't even know a whole lot about him. But I read some of his books, and so we were down there at a healing meeting. And, and I'm listening to this man talk about this building, about the, what is, the Lord has led him to do. A school of the prophets, so to speak. A, a place where they can come and be trained in the Word of God. Not a theological school, but a Bible training center for those that have been called unto the ministry. And something witnessed inside my spirit and said, take one of those brochures. And so I did. And I took that brochure and I took it home with me, you know, and I set it in the visor of my car and I let it lie. I just let it stay there. It didn't, it didn't act on it. Didn't, some would just fill it out, send it, just like that there. And I didn't. And I waited and I waited and I waited 
and I waited. Sometimes I get accused of waiting too long, and I was beginning to sweat. I admit it. I was beginning to sweat because I was getting too far into waiting, but I waited. It became stronger, 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 stronger inside me. And finally, my lovely wife, don't you think you better get that thing filled out? I says, I certainly do. We better get that sent in. I didn't want to go. You better send it in. I didn't want to go. But it became so strong, I had to do it. Send that thing in. See? Witness to my spirit. It became stronger and stronger. I sent that in. Got accepted right away. Quick. Things happened. You know, things. And, and, and I was talking to one of the fellows where I worked. Had a good job down the middle running a train. Talked to one of the fellows. Said, why don't you take a leave of absence? I said, what for? He says, that way, when you get done with school in nine months, you can come back here and have your job. And I says, well, I don't know why I'm saying this to you. I says, but I don't even want to try to get a leave of absence. I says, because something on the inside of me tells me I'll never be back here. Something on the inside of me tells me I will never be back here. Now, beloved, I was making pretty good wage. I had a pretty decent job. I was providing good for our family. It was scary to step out and to say, well, I'm just going to leave all this behind, just go off and just... You know, people think, oh, you know, you're in the ministry. You, wanted, you just wanted the ministry. I had one tell me at school, you're in it for the money. You just want to be out there where people can see you. I said, brother, if you was in my shoes when I was in my shoes, and if you, you know, had to do what I had to do, and if you even thought about doing I never left to go to... The farthest I ever went was East Liverpool. Midland? Where's Midland? Just pack your bags, give up everything that you have. You've been in the house that you always wanted to be in. Just go on down to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And by the way, they told me the only thing that was down in Oklahoma was rattlesnakes and hurricanes. Now, sure. And then we were so money-minded. We were so involved in filthy lucre that when we came back, we came back to establish a church in the great large city of Midland. Population, 4,576. I'm just exaggerating there. Maybe there's 8,000. <laughs> no. No. Left a half a million population, Tulsa, Oklahoma, because we we're greedy to come back. But you know what? We'd have fell flat on our face in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But because we sensed the leading of the Lord, we came back. And the Lord, I said the Lord, will raise up His people so that they can walk and fulfill His will and be successful and prosper in all that they do. How? Oh, our scenario could have been another way. It could have been we stayed in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You think I didn't have an offer down there? Somebody wanted me to be assistant pastor down there. Nice-sized church working right next to Kenneth e. Hagin who he taught for, who I could have just been buddy-buddy with. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. Just so what? So I could come back and go to Youngstown, Ohio and go into a certain denominational monastery and paint the inside of the building. And when the individual who is in charge walks out and says, uh, you know, what about your life? And I just explained to him what I've just come from. He said, oh, and your first work is painting inside the church. I says, well, I just do the will of the Lord. You think about that. Here you think you're going to be a preacher, and instead you're a painter. You know, preaching the church, you paint the church. But you know, I've learned something. If you humble yourself and just do what, what your hand finds to do, God will promote you. God will exalt you. I never said I was going to be a preacher. I never said that. I never said I was going to do anything other than just go back and provide for my family and just, just you know, teach, teach God's Word in a limited way and just do what, what the Lord would say to me to do. Well, now, see, there was the witness. I had the witness to come back, and that witness was confirmed inside my spirit. But now, listen, there's other ways. There are other methods whereby He will lead us, you know, how He can lead us. But listen to this. The primary way is the witness of your spirit. Now, I'll get to that in a minute. Now, He showed me just like this. Where do you look for your mail? In your mailbox, I hope. Don't you? Where's the primary place you look for your mail? I mean, when you walk out on your porch, if that's where yours is at, like ours is, usually I go to the mailbox and I look for our mail. And there it is. Now, there are times 
when the mail comes in different ways. Like the neighbor comes jogging over and says, they left this at our house for you. I says, well, I wasn't used to going down there to look for my mail. Because, you see, that's not the primary way I get my mail. And then one night we came home and there was a box from UPS just sitting over there on the side of the step. Well, I don't normally go looking on the side of the step for my mail. I usually go to the mailbox. Now, although the mail came in different ways, the primary way the mail comes is in my what? Now, the primary way you should be looking for God to lead you is inside your spirit. Now, although the mail may come a different way, see, it may come a different way. And I remember the way this came. It must have been because I was just so obstinate with the Lord. And he knew that I was just going to just sit back and just wait on him and not do anything about it. See, when, when, the, when the word came, that church down there in Midland, I was, I was working as a youth minister up in, in Youngstown, Ohio, one of the Christian Assembly churches. And, and the, the pastor said, would you go on down to Midland? They need, they need somebody to, to hold a service for them down there. I said, well, certainly. I go down there and hold a service for them. By the way, they don't have a pastor either. You know, they might be interested in looking for a pastor. I said, well, you might as well forget me. I said, don't look at me because I'm not qualified. I'm a novice. I'm not able to go and pastor a church. I just got out of school. I've only been there for nine months. only saved a year and a half, two years. Well, I, there's no possible way I can go down there and be a pastor. But I'll go, I'll go preach for them on a Sunday. I, yeah, I had every, talk, every opportunity to preach I took. I took. And I mean to tell I went 100 mile an hour when I did. And you see, I did. But I said to the pastor, I mean to tell you, just about me, the Holy Ghost about made me a liar. I told the pastor, I said to the pastor, I said, Brother so-and-so, I, listen to my word. I will not think of accepting the candidate for that church to be the pastor of that church unless God speaks to me in an audible voice. I forgot. I got him now. I mean to tell you, I got him now. He's going to have to speak to me awful loud for me to go down there and be the pastor of that church. And so my wife and I, we get out there on the, on the highway on Route 11. You know, we're just ready, all dressed up and ready to go. I got my sermon notes ready and everything. We're just going to travel on down. Just going to hold the service. I've already just rehearsed what I said to that pastor. I wasn't going to do anything of, this, of the sort. You know, I'm driving on down there, you know. And we just get on Route 11 and start driving down. Just a nice, nice afternoon, you know, or morning rather. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear a voice in the back seat. You know, the Bible says, a voice shall come behind your ear and say, this is the way walking in it, in the book of Isaiah. I didn't know that then. I know it now. And someone said, someone, my, it was audible to me. It was as loud as I'm speaking to you right now. My wife didn't hear a thing. Someone said, looked like I had looked back under the seat. Who said it? But someone said, you will be the next pastor of that church. I looked over to my wife. Who said that? I just said I wouldn't. But then the words came, back, came to me. I wouldn't accept the candidate unless God spoke to me in an audible voice. And the voice of the Lord came unto me saying, You will be. And so when the chairman of the board said, Would you be interested in candidating? I said, Well, sir. <laughs> Can you imagine the pastor back home thinking, Well, certainly I would. <laughs> you know, I didn't tell him I had a revelation from God. I just said, Well, certainly I would. Absolutely, you know. See, that's the fear of the Lord. That's the fear of the Lord. But, you say, oh, isn't that nice what the Lord did? Yeah, but you know what? We could have been out there on that boat. We could have been on that ship. We could have set sail with our brother there in Tulsa that said, Brother, will you be my associate pastor? Would you work with me and help me here and, you know, stay around here, live in Tulsa for a while and just, you know, uh, you've got room to grow. And probably Maybe you could be a teacher at Ramah someday. You never know. Would you be the one to stay here and work with me? I says, boy, that sounds inviting. Oh, I don't want to just travel back home. I don't have any money to get back home. We don't have... See, if I would have, would have gone by human reasoning, if I would have gone by what would have been best for us at the time, we would have just stayed right there. But you see, that wasn't what God's will was. If we just stayed there, oh, dear Lord, maybe He could have spared our lives. But the hurt, the damage, the loss... And the harm that comes to those that are out of the will of the Lord sometimes could never be changed. You just have to get over it. have to have the Spirit of God to help mend them. There are those that have lost their children. There are those that have died young. I remember brother, a brother and sister in the Lord who were in a full-time ministry, both husband and wife. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Brother Hagin and said unto him, this is at school, 
sit on the hem, and they'll die in a month. He says, Lord, there's something I can do to help you, to change you, to see what this won't happen to these young people? He said, no. He says, they both don't belong in the ministry. They both should not be in the ministry. I didn't call them to the ministry. Although they're my children, and I love them, I didn't call them to be in the ministry. They put themselves in. He says, well, why don't I tell them? He says, if you tell them, they won't listen to you. They won't listen to you. He says, they'll be dead. And they die. How are you going to change that? How are you going to change that? Loss. Damage. Hurt. Harm. Misery. You know, long life is, is a promise. How many of you know long life is a promise? But it's conditional? It's conditional. I remember being up in my mill cramp. And I made another vow unto the Lord. See, I didn't know what a vow was, but I guess I was vowing unto the Lord. I didn't know it. And I got on my knees in my old crane cab in that dirt. And I held up the Bible. I had this word in my left hand. And I said, my father, just a young boy. I mean in the faith. Just young. Don't know anything about the Bible. But I, I got on my knee before God and I said, oh, father, if you will teach me to live by I will dedicate and consecrate myself and my life to teach your people how to live by That's what I told him. It was years later, a couple of years later, before I ever knew who Solomon was, let alone what he said. And I read where Solomon said, when the Lord says, you ask of me one thing and I'll give it unto you. Can you imagine you know, we see cartoons, you see children. Here's a genie here. Ask him one thing, one wish, one desire. What would you have? People want millions of dollars. Well, here's the God of all the universe. Al Shaddai, the God that's more than enough, said, Solomon, Solomon, ask me one thing that I grant you. What is it? What will you have? He said, Lord, to have an understanding heart that I may judge thy people, but which is right and that which is wrong, to judge between and he said, because thou hast asked this one thing and asked nothing for thyself. No selfish motive. Then I will give unto thee and have given unto thee wisdom so that there shall be none after thee nor any before thee. And I also will give thee that which thou ask not. I shall give unto thee riches and honor. Then the next two words, Lord, and if you keep my statutes and do my will, commandments and judgments, I will prolong your life. Anywhere you read in the book of Proverbs, long life is only a promise. It's not automatic for the believer. You get out there in the middle of that sea, which represents your life, that you're sailing along in that boat, and we don't seek the Lord's guidance for our lives and what we should be doing in life, and just go our merry old way, He cannot guarantee us long life. This is why I have dedicated myself to walking life. This is why I have dedicated myself not to speak evil of any man. This is why I have dedicated myself not to put down anybody else's ministry, not to speak evil about anybody's ministry, speak evil of no man, not to take any account of the evil that's done to me, not to pay any attention to a suffered wrong. Some have said to me, people are walking on you. Why are you allowing that to happen? I said, I like life. I love life. If thou wilt love life and see many days, refrain thy lips from evil and your tongue, or your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking evil. Some die young because they speak against the prophet of God. Some die young because they speak against the anointed. So you want direction for a long life? It comes, by the way, he said in Proverbs 20, 27, 27, 20, 20, 27, I believe it is, that 
spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the man. He said in Psalm, you just write these down real quick, Psalm 1828. We're running out of time. He said, Psalm 1828, Thou will light my candle, thou will lighten my darkness. He said in Psalm 119, 130, The entrance of thy word giveth light. It gives understanding or illumination, it simple. The spirit of man is the light bulb of the Lord, or the candle of the Lord, searching the inward parts of the belly. He will enlighten us through our spirit. The entrance of his word gives that light and understanding, and he will light our candle, he will enlighten our darkness. What I just said to you about Solomon, and what I just declared to you, is every one of us will vow in our own hearts before the Lord to walk in his will, way, and love, to speak evil of no man and fulfill the love commandment, then my brother and my sister, you will be granted long life. That's the only way it comes. You read through the, through the book of Proverbs, it's the only way it comes. It will add length of days and years of life to you. Children, if you obey your parents in the Lord, it will give you years of life. It will be well with you. See, it's conditional. Long life is... Just because you learn how to get healed doesn't mean you're going to you know, stay healthy all the days of your life and, 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 uh, and then you, you won't die. No. That's conditional. It's based on our doing the will of God, which involves our leading and guidance, personal guidance. I tell you right now, and I mean this, this, this group, this beautiful group that we have here. If I was in that group, and that's all the Lord wanted me to do in the ministry, uh, boy, I'd have a ball. I mean to tell you, I have a ball. I'd be such a lover. Just stand back here and worship the Lord. And say, Father, this is all you want me to do in life. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll do. I'm not trying to be somebody. Some, 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 some say, you should, why don't you try to get applied to Raymond Obama Center? Maybe you can be a teacher down there. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Spirit will bear witness with your spirit. I don't want to die young. I don't belong at Raymond Bible Training Center. If the Father wants me there, he, he'd have to speak with an audible voice. Or send an angel <laughs> or witness unto my spirit that that's where he wanted me to be. Oh, I wish, no, Father, I really pray we have, we may pick this up again. But I knew this evening he wanted me to minister along these lines. Along the lines of being led by the Spirit of God. Now, we need to develop a sensitivity to the Spirit. To, if, if we're going to be led in our spirit, we need to train our spirit. If we don't train our spirit, then our spirit will not be a safe guide. If we train our spirit and develop it, our spirit will be a safe guide. And what we perceive inside our spirit will be the voice of the Lord coming to us. Another thought. Angels hearken to the voice of His Word. His Word... You ready for this? It'll bless you. His Word, this Word, is His primary voice to us. Oh, you want to hear Him speak in you? Hmm. Get His Word in you. That's his primary voice. That's his will. That's his way. Most of the time when people ask questions, the answer's right there. 99% of our way of life is right there in the Bible. But they just don't know it. See? That's why they're looking out there for, for Lord, how should I pray for sister so-and-so? Well, it says right over there. Get on your knees. And pray that the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and all the people. That's what it says to do. Well, now, someone says, how, how can I pray if the Lord won't tell me what's wrong in their life? The Lord's not a gossip. He's not going to tell you what's wrong. Oh, but I was in a prayer meeting and, and the boys came up to me and said that they've got this problem in life. I know, and you told 1,400 people. And you thought you was in spiritual warfare. And those are the 14 people told 14 more. Then I accused God of being a gossip. Because the Holy Ghost told you and He knew that you... Oh, help me now. Since, since there's nobody here, he knew that it was you that had the longest tongue in the church. <laughs> I mean, you can eat your, you know, breakfast from the living room. <laughs> but the Holy Ghost told you. Shame on you, Holy Ghost. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? No, that wasn't the voice of the Lord. That was the mind... And if you don't watch out, it'll be a demon spirit speaking through your mind. How do I pray then? Paul said, I pray for you every day. Not that you be delivered from that thing, 
but that you get the Word inside your heart so that that Word inside you will deliver and set you free. That way, I'm going to have to pray for you again. But these that get delivered that way by prayer, they get delivered 1,400 times a year. You know. Why are we getting off on that? I don't even know. Let's all stand to our feet. Bless the Lord on my soul. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, someone says, how do I... Well, how, you know, is there a direction how I should come to my Father? Oh, is there a direction how you should go to your Father? As a child. Beloved, if we would just take God's Word and do what it says, how do I pray? Jesus says, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe and receive, you shall have. Well, now, Lord, what am I supposed to do here? Well, go to the Word and find out, because primarily the answer is in the Word. And while you're looking into the primary way you get your mail, the primary method whereby your mail comes, looking into the Word, finding out the voice of the Lord, the voice of His Word, and you're looking in there diligently, hearkening to the voice of His Word, looking for the answers in His Word. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.